0: Chapter 12 of The Martyrs of Science This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster Life of John Kepler Chapter 2 Kepler's Pecuniary Embarrassments his Enquiries respecting the law of refraction, his supplement to Vitellio, his researches on vision, his treatise on diopteryx, his commentaries on Mars, he discovers that the orbit of Mars is an ellipse with the sun in one focus, and extends this discovery to all other planets, he establishes the two first laws of physical astronomy, his family distresses, death of his wife, he is appointed professor of mathematics at Linz. His method of choosing a second wife, her character as given by himself, origin of his treatise on gauging. He goes to Ratisbon to give his opinion to the Diet on the change of style. He refuses the mathematical chair at Bologna. Although Kepler now felt one of the most honorable situations to which philosopher could aspire and possessed a large salary fitted to supply his most reasonable wants, yet, as the imperial treasury was drained by the demands of an expensive war, his salary was always in arrear. Owing to this cause, he was constantly involved in pecuniary difficulties, and, as he himself described his situation, he was perpetually begging his bread from the emperor at Prague. His increasing family rendered the want of money still more distressing and he was driven to the painful alternative of drawing his income from casting nativities from the same cause he was obliged to abandon his plan of publishing Rudolphine tables and to devote himself to works of less expensive kind and which were more likely to yield some pecuniary advantages in spite of these embarrassments and the occupation of his time in the practice of astrology kepler found leisure for his favourite pursuits No adverse circumstances were capable of extinguishing his scientific ardour, and whenever he directed his vigorous mind to the investigation of phenomena, he never failed to obtain interesting and original results. Since the death of Tycho, his attention had been much occupied with the subject of refraction and vision, and in sixteen o six he published the result of his researches in a work entitled A Supplement to Vitellio, in which the optical part of astronomy is treated but chiefly on the artificial observation and estimation of diameters and of the eclipses of the sun and moon. Astronomers had long been perplexed with the refraction of the atmosphere, and so little was known of the general subject, as well as of this branch of it, that Tycho believed the refraction of the atmosphere to cease at forty-five degrees of altitude. Even at the beginning of the second century, Claudius Ptolemy of Alexandria had unraveled his principal mysteries and had given in his optics a theory of astronomical refraction more complete than that of any astronomer before the time of cassini but the manuscripts had unfortunately been mislaid and hallazan and vitellio and kepler were obliged to take up the subject from its commencement ptolemy had not only determined that the refraction of the atmosphere had gradually increased from zenith to the horizon but he had measured with singular accuracy the angles of refraction for water and glass from a perpendicular incidence to a horizontal one kepler treated this branch of science in his own peculiar way hunting down as he expressed it every hypothesis which his fertile imagination had successively presented to him in his various attempts to discover the laws of refraction or a measure of it as varying with the density of the body and the angle of incidence of the light he was nearer the goal in his first speculation than in any of the rest and he seems to have failed in the consequence of his not separating the question as it is related to density from a question as it related to incidence i did not leave untried says he whether my assuming a horizontal refraction according to the density of the medium the rest would correspond to the signs of the distances from the vertical direction but calculation proved that it was not so and indeed there was no occasion to have tried it for thus the refraction would increase according to the same law in all mediums which is contradicted by experiment although completely foiled in his search after the law of refraction which was subsequently discovered by bill snell and some time afterwards by james gregory he was singularly successful in his enquiries respecting vision regarding the eye as analogous in its structure with the camera obscura of baptista porta he discovered that the images of external objects were painted in an inverted position on the retina by the union of the pencil of rays which issued from every point of the object he ascribed an erect vision to an operation of the mind by which it traces the rays back to the pupil where they cross one another and thus refers the lower parts of the image to the higher parts of the object he also explained the cause of long-sighted and short-sighted vision, and showed how convex and concave lenses enable those who possess these peculiarities of vision to see distinctly, by accurately converging the pencil of rays to a focus on the retina. Kepler likewise observed the power of accommodating the eye to a different distances, and he ascribed it to the contraction of the ciliary processes, which drew the sides of the eyeball towards the crystalline lens and thus elongated the eye so as to produce an adjustment of it for near objects kepler wisely declined to inquire into the way in which the mind perceives the image painted on the retina and he blames Vitellio for attempting to determine a question which he considered as not belonging to optics the work of kepler now under consideration contains the method of calculating eclipses which is now in use at the present day the only other optical treatise written by Kepler was his Dioptrix with an appendix on the use of optics in philosophy. This admirable work, which laid the foundation of the science, was published in Augsburg in sixteen eleven and reprinted at London in sixteen fifty three. Although Morelis had made some slight progress in studying the passage of light through different media, yet it was to Kepler that we owe the methods of tracing the progress of rays through transparent bodies with convex and concave surfaces and of determining the foci of lenses and of the relative positions of the images which they form and the objects from which the rays proceed he was thus led to explain the rationale of the telescope and to invent the astronomical telescope which consists of two convex lenses by which objects are inverted kepler also discovered the important fact that spherical surfaces were not capable of converging rays to a single focus and he conjectured what Descartes afterwards proved that this property might be possessed by lenses having the figure of some of the sections of the cone. The total reflection of light at the second surface of bodies was likewise studied by Kepler, and he determined that, that the total reflection commenced when this angle of incidence was equal to the angle of refraction, which correspond to an incidence of ninety. Two years before the publication of his dioptrics, like in sixteen oh nine kepler had given to the world his great work entitled the new astronomy or commentaries on the motions of mars the discoveries which this volume records from the basis of physical astronomy the inquiries by which he was led to them began in that memorable year sixteen o one when he became the colleague and assistant of tycho the powers of original genius were then for the first time associated with the inventive skill and patient observation and though the astronomical data provided by Tycho were sure of finding their application in some future age yet without them kepler's speculations would have been in vain and the laws which they enabled them to determine would have adorned the history of another century having tried in vain to represent the motion of mars by an uniform motion in a circular orbit and by cycles and epicycles with which copernicus had endeavoured to explain the planetary inequalities kepler was led after many fruitless speculations to suppose the orbit of the planet to be oval and from his knowledge of the conic sections he afterwards determined it to be an ellipse with the sun placed in one of its foci he then ascertained the dimensions of the orbit and by comparison of the times employed by the planet to complete a whole revolution or any part of one he discovered that the time in which mars describes any arches of his elliptic orbit were always to one another as the areas contained by the lines drawn from the focus or the center of the Sun to the extremities of the respective arches. Or in other words, the radius vector or the line joining the Sun and Mars describe equal areas in equal times. By examining the inequalities of the other planets he found that they all moved in elliptic orbits and that the radius vector of each described areas proportional to the times. These two great results were known by the name of the first and second laws of Kepler. The third law or that which relates the connection between the periodic times and the distances of the planets were not discovered till a later period of his life when kepler presented to rudolph the volume which contained these fine discoveries he reminded him jocularly of his requiring the sinews of war to make similar attacks upon the other planets the emperor however had made formidable enemies then jupiter and saturn and from the treasury which war had exhausted he found it difficult to supply the wants of science while kepler was thus involved in the miseries of poverty misfortunes of every kind filled up the cup of his adversity his wife who had long been the victim of low spirits was seized towards the end of sixteen ten with a fever epilepsy and friend and before she had completely recovered all his three children were simultaneously attacked with smallpox his favourite son fell a victim to this malady and at the same time prague was partially occupied by the troops of leopold the part of the city where kepler resided was harnessed by bohemian levies and to crown this list of evils the austrian troops introduced the plague into the city sometimes afterwards kepler set out for austria with a view of obtaining professorship of mathematics at lens which was now vacant but upon his return in june he found his wife in a decline brought on by grief for the loss of her son and she was some time afterwards seized with an infectious fever of which she died the emperor Rudolf was unwilling to allow kepler to quit prague he encouraged him with hopes that the arrears of his salary would be paid from saxony but these hopes were fallacious and it was not till the death of Rudolf in sixteen twelve that kepler was freed from these distressing embarrassments on the accession of matthias Rudolf's brother kepler was reappointed imperial mathematician and was allowed to accept the professorship at lens his family now consisted of two children a daughter susanna born in sixteen o two and a son louis born in sixteen o seven his own time was so completely occupied by his new professorial duties as well as by his private studies that he found it necessary to seek another parent for his children for this purpose he gave a commission to his friends to look out for him a suitable wife and in a long and jocular letter to baron standalforff he has given an amusing account of different negotiations which preceded his marriage the substance of this letter is so well known by mr drinkwater bethune that we shall follow his account of it the first of the eleven ladies among whom his inclinations favoured was a widow and intimate friend of his first wife and who on many accounts appeared a most eligible match at first says Kipler, She seemed favorably inclined to the proposal. It is certain that she took time to consider it, but at last she very quietly excused herself. It must have been from the recollection of this lady's good qualities that Kepler was induced to make his offer. For we learned rather unexpectedly, after being informed of her decision, that when he soon afterwards paid his respects to her, it was the first time that he had seen her during the last six years, and he found, to his great relief, that there was no single pleasing part about her the truth seems to be that he was netted by her answer and he is at greater pains than appears necessary considering in this last discovery to determine why she could not accept his offered hand among other reasons he suggested her children among whom were two marriageable daughters and it is diverting afterwards to find them also in the catalogue which kepler appeared to be making of all his female acquaintances of the other ladies one was too old another in bad health another too proud of her birth and quarterings a fourth had learned nothing but showy accomplishments not at all suitable to the sort of life she would have to lead with me another grew impatient and married a more decided admirer whilst he was hesitating the mischief says he in all these attachments was that whilst i was delaying comparing and balancing conflicting reasons every day saw me inflamed with a new passion by the time he reached eighth he found his match in this respect fortune at length has avenged herself on my doubtful inclinations at first she was quite complying and her friends also presently whether she did or did not consent not only i but she herself did not know after the lapse of a few days came a renewed promise which however had to be confirmed a third time and four days after that she again repeated her confirmation and begged to be excused from it upon this i gave her up and this time all my counsellors were of one opinion this was the longest courtship in the list having lasted three whole months and quite disheartened by its bad success kepler's next attempt was a more timid complexion his advances to number nine were made by confiding to her the whole story of his recent disappointment prudently determining to be guided in his behaviour by observing whether the treatment he had experienced met with a proper degree of sympathy apparently the experiment did not succeed and almost reduced to despair kepler betook himself to the advice of a friend who had for some time complained that she was not consulted in this difficult negotiation when she produced number ten the first visit was paid the report upon her was follows she has undoubtedly a good fortune is of good family and of economical habits but her physiognomy is most horribly ugly she would be at in the streets not to mention the striking disproportion in her figures i am lank lean and spare she is short and thick in a family notorious of fullness she is considered superfluously fat the only objection to number eleven seems to have been her excessive youth and when this treaty was broken off on that account, Kepler turned his back upon all his advisers, and chose for himself one who had figured as number five in the list, to whom he professes to have felt attached throughout, but from whom the representation of his friends had hitherto detained him, probably on account of her humble station. The following is Kepler's summary of her character. Her name is Susanna. The daughter of John Ruthinger and Barbara, citizens of the town of Efferdingen. The father was by trade a cabinet maker, but both her parents are dead. She has received an education well worth the largest dowry. By favour of the lady of Strahenburg, the strictness of whose household is famous throughout the province. Her person and manners are suitable to mine. No pride, no extravagance. She can bear to work, she has a tolerable knowledge how to manage a family. Middle aged, and of her disposition and capability to acquire what she still wants her i shall marry by the favour of the noble baron of strandburg at twelve o'clock on the thirtieth of next october with all efforting and assembled to meet us and we shall eat the marriage dinner at morris's at the golden lion kepler's marriage seems to have taken place at the time here mentioned for in his book on gauging published at lens in sixteen fifteen he informs us that he took home his new wife in november on which occasion he found it necessary to stock his cellar with a few casks of wine when the wine merchant came to measure the casks kepler objected to his method as he made no allowance for the different sizes of the bulging parts of the cask from this accident kepler was led to study the subject of gaging and to write the book which we have mentioned and which contains the earliest specimens of the modern analysis about this period kepler was summoned to the diet of Ratisbon to give his opinion on the reformation of the calendar and he published a short essay on the subject but though the government did not scruple to avail themselves of his services yet his pension was allowed to fall in arrear and in order to support his family he was obliged to publish an almanac suited to the taste of the age in order says he to defray the expense of the ephemeris for two years i have been obliged to compile a vial of prophesying almanac which is scarcely more respectable than begging unless from its saving the emperor's credit who abandons me entirely and would suffer me to perish with hunger although kepler's residence at lens was rendered uncomfortable by the roman catholics who had excommunicated him on the account of his refusing to subscribe to some opinions respecting the ubiquity of our saviour or as others maintain On account of some opinions which he had expressed respecting transubstantiation yet he refused in 1617 to accept an invitation to fill the mathematical chair at bologna the prospect of his fortune being bettered by such a change could not reconcile him to live in a country where his freedom of speech and manners might expose him to suspicion and he accordingly declined in the most respectful manner the offer which was made to him End of chapter 12 Read by Lambda